Hi, this is Roger Federer, and you're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. Welcome to this week's ATP Tennis Radio podcast. 30 minutes packed once again with some of the game's biggest names ahead of the first ATP 500 tournament of the season, the ABN AMRO World Tennis Tournament in Rotterdam, where a certain Swiss has decided to try and go on a roll and reclaim the ATP World Number 1 ranking. That's going to fall on the baseline. Wow. Federer! OK, that's that all right. Now, Federer looks to pass and win a lob. Three. Oh, wow, wow! I'm Seb Lozier, and over the next half an hour or so, we'll also put your questions to Dominic Team, meet another red-hot team, this time of the doubles variety, and we're with Elias Imer and his coach, Robin Soderling, on the Challenger Tour. We start, though, in Rotterdam, where an already strong field was bolstered earlier this week with the news that a certain Mr Federer was accepting a wild card in a bid to make history and become the oldest world number one. But the journey will be lined with challenges and challengers along the way, including the Nito ATP World Tour champion, Grigor Dimitrov. Obviously, the start of the year, as I said, is, um, is very important to me. And one of my main goals was to really start start the year well, play well with the, with the Australian Open. First time of the year, it's always a little bit, I think, a bit shaky in a way that you just you just want to see where everybody is at. And I think I think now now the year that, that has unfolded a little bit, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. Obviously, I, uh, I was pretty tired in the, end, in the end of last year, so I didn't have much time off. So I think now it's just to, to strive to, to be better, uh, have better results in the tournaments that, that I haven't done well in uh, 2017, try to increase um, your game, try to increase your consistency. So there's just a little small things here and there in my game and, and I think overall that I can definitely get better and of course start, start doing even better on the slams. This is obviously one of the number, number one priority I think for uh, for any top player right now, so that's um, that's going to be the challenge in front of me this year. And looking at this tournament, there's there's a really strong field here. What makes it so appealing? Uh, I know. I think I think everything is great about this tournament. It's, it's been going for quite some times. Um, I've played this tournament for I don't know how many years already, and it's just great. The the hall is great. The court is very good. Everything is it seems to be in a good spot. So the players really like it. It's comfortable. And it's just the beginning of the year. Everybody wants to play a few extra matches indoors. It's cold outside, so you kind of want to want to keep your rhythm going before before you head out to to America. And I think yeah, that's why I think everybody is just is just trying to make the most out of it in, in those last uh, weeks in Europe, and of course be better and have an extra edge and better ranking, of course, for the upcoming events. This is one of the biggest indoor events on the calendar. What specific challenges are there to playing tennis indoors? Well, I think I think it's, it's a little bit different uh, for for every player. Uh, I mean, some people really prefer to play indoors. Other people prefer to play outdoors. Uh, it's just I think is the the adjustment. It's it's kind of easier for everybody, but uh, it depends a little bit on the style of the play of uh, of the player. I mean. Uh, 
I, I for once, I feel very comfortable playing indoors. I mean, uh, I, I, I like my chances every time I come out to play, to play the game. I feel I know my way around the court pretty well, whoever I play, and you can definitely play a little bit more, um, more at, uh, attractive tennis in terms of just uh, attacking the ball a little bit more. You know, there's no wind, no sun, so everything is pretty constant. So you can try to use um, and go for a little bit more uh, while you play. And just a word about Roger Federer. He could become the world's world number one mm. by the end of this week, the oldest ever world number one. Can you try and put into words what he's still achieving at the age that he is and, and the respect he has from the guys in the locker room? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's obviously it's Roger. I mean, he's done so so much for the game already and he's, he has achieved so much already for the game. So there's just... To me, it's just going to be, if, if it happens, it's just another thing that he has done. Obviously, I'm not even surprised anymore from um, from his ability to to show up at a tournament for not playing for so long, even though he has now, but just show up at a tournament and playing and, and winning. And if, yeah, if he becomes number one again, this is like basically he's trying to break his own records. That's, uh, that's the best thing. I mean, you kind of on... Uh, in a league on your own and obviously that's the reason why why he is what he is right now and you can listen to the final of the ABN AMRO World Tennis Tournament in Rotterdam on ATP Tennis Radio in a week's time our coverage now easier to find than ever thanks to a listen button at the top of the atpworldtour.com website you can also watch all the action live on the Tennis TV website and app. Coming up next, ATP World Tour Uncovered met up with the doubles team taking the tour by storm. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. Three tournaments played in 2018 and three titles for Oliver Marek and Mato Pavic. Nothing has been able to break the duo's concentration this year, including winning the Australian Open. We didn't even know we win. I, I didn't even realize that we won it. I don't know why I thought it was uh, when we broke them on 4-all, obviously. I thought it was 3-all, so we broke, you know, 4-3. He was serving for 5-3, and I was kind of, you know, point by point. was already 4-11 in the game, so I was kind of just ready, you know, to serve it out on 5-4, you know, in my head. And then suddenly we were like, and see him, you know, throwing the racket, being all over the place. And then I didn't even realize, you know, for like, Almost like 10 seconds or something. I was worried. I, I was looking at him and said, where's the score, where's the score? And then I heard just the uh, referee Game saying, games at match, I said, okay, I'm right. <laughs> I guess it's the hard work we put in, in us, uh, our coach, our new coach, what we started last year with him actually. And now three tournaments in a row. I mean, it's really incredible. I think our coach helps us in this. He always yeah. tried to push ourselves even when we had here day off we practice even we were very tired and he pushed us to the limit and we get better and better and I think I thought that was the I think this is the main key of our game right now. The, the goal was a grand slam so we no. did that already. Next so, goal yeah. is uh, to win a thousand if we can and let's we will see how the year is going with a lot of time yeah. and uh, Try to keep on being number one in the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to see that. And staying with doubles, former world number one team Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez have enjoyed some serious highs over the past number of years. But how did they get on when we challenged them to remember some of their firsts? 
first time I traveled abroad for a tennis tournament. I was 14 years old, no, sorry, 12, for the South American uh, team competition. It was Bolivia. What about the moment they fell in love with tennis? <laughs> so long when he beat Andy? Yeah, when maybe, you were yeah. seven? Yeah. Ah, probably when you won your first tournament or something, like seven or eight years old or something. It gives you a bit of motivation to keep going. First autograph? My, and yeah, I didn't get many in my life, but my first one was Ayrton Senna, back when I was probably 11, 12. First album bought. Bright Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory? I think I was probably like nine, ten years old. They were the big thing at that time. Who or what was their first pet? Never had a pet. My brother had a hamster, which didn't last long, so it went, got down the uh, hole in the floorboards, never uh, resurfaced. I had one pet in my whole life. Uh, it was a dog, a poodle. Uh, his name was Mallow. Marcel. Yeah. First major splash out with a paycheck. <laughs> uh, not, I'm not really that extravagant. Probably put quite a bit of it together to get a, a flat in, uh, in London, but not like a fancy car or some dodgy suit or something like that. <laughs> I done, me too. Probably a car. Uh, I wanted to have a car back in Brazil, nothing fancy because my first prize money wasn't big. But I would say, yeah, I also put some money together to get a car, a used one. And finally, their first pinch me moment. I think for me, when I played, I went to LA to play the LA Open and it was, it was probably like my second or third tour event. And um, it was, I was sitting in the, in the physio room and Agassi was in there getting treatment and it was his sort of farewell summer before, uh, before retiring. That was pretty cool. My first one was when I went to play Queen's Tournament. Uh, I was a junior, so I wasn't even playing the main tournament, but I watched uh, Pete Sampras play courtside. It was very special for me. Those were our questions to Jamie and Bruno, but we put the best of your questions from Twitter and Facebook to Dominic Team, starting with his first encounter with a young Sasha Zverev, and if he's still in touch with Ernest Skulbis. I met Sasha for the first time four years ago in Hamburg when he when he played the semi-finals and I'm still with I'm still in touch with Gulbis as well. What's the secret of a one-handed backhand? There's not really a secret, it's just uh, many, many repetitions and hard work and then uh, one day you will you will put it in. What I do on my off day at a slam beside practice, I um, I get a good treatment and I like to go out for a dinner because there's not so much time anyway and uh, yeah, choose a nice restaurant and uh, refill the tank for the next day. The toughest match I ever played I think was, was a loss against Del Potro last year in New York after two, two sets to love for me and uh, took some, some days or weeks to, to recover from that one. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. For tickets to ATP World Tour Masters 1000 events, go to the ATP World Tour website and click on Tournaments. You can draw a straight line between climbing the ATP rankings and improving your second serve return. The first serve is always an asset for players because of the raw power. But win percentages surrounding second serves can easily flip into the liability column, especially against a good returner. 
and Infosys ATP Beyond the Numbers analysis of the best returners from 2017 shows that the second serve return can evolve into a bigger weapon than the second serve itself. For example, Grigor Dimitrov won 48.2% of his second serve return points in 2016 from 65 matches. This wasn't an obvious strength of the Bulgarian's game two seasons ago when he finished the year ranked number 17. But fast forward to 2017 and Dimitrov leapt up to world number three, winning 52% of second serve return points from 68 matches. In 2016, he was 34th best on tour in this specific category whereas last season he was ninth best with points returning second serves. Dimitrov is in good company in a talented top 10 from 2017, winning second serve return points. 25-year-old Argentinian Diego Schwartzman finished first with just over 56%. The only other player to be above 55% was world number one Rafael Nadal. Roberto Bautista Agut and Richard Gasquet were both above 54%, while David Goffin, Hyun Chung and Pablo Carreno Busta were all north of 53%. Rounding out the top 10 in this category were Fernando Vadasco, Dimitrov and Luca Pui. The ideal target with this specific shot is down the middle of the court at the server. Big shots go to big targets, and aggression with second serve returns is about power, spin and depth rather than hitting away from the server. The lesson is clear. Improve your second serve return and a better ranking comes with it. I really want the best for Swedish tennis and he's the best player we have in Sweden right now. For me to have somebody like Robin in my team, it, it helps me a lot. Robin Soderling and Elias Imer, two Swedes united in a partnership of promise. That we are from the same uh, town, we've done a little bit the same uh, trip. He's from my town and I went to the same high school as him and then we moved to Stockholm around the same age so I can relate a little bit, you know, and he can relate to me so it's a good uh, mix, I think. I was excited uh, already from the start and uh, the first couple of practices we did, you know, of course obviously I noticed that there, there was a lot of things for, uh, for him to improve, but I also saw the potential in him. I'm obviously older than, uh, than Elias, you know, but from what I understand he watched me uh, growing up and so many of my matches, you know, sometimes he even remembers my results better than I do myself. Forced to hang up his racket through illness aged 31, Soderling has returned to a sport he dearly loves four years after playing his last match. The 10-time ATP World Tour champion and former world number four is clearly thrilled to be back. My wish was to play, obviously, of course, longer than I than I could. You know, I wanted to, to maybe still play on tour, uh, but now since I can't do that, I, I really feel that this is as close to playing myself as I can get. To have somebody who has like beaten most of all the guys, it's like a bit of a, like confidence. I think it helps me to not see the other one as big because I know I have an unbelievable guy in my team. I've been number one in Sweden since I was like 17, you know, and. I never really got to have that guy who I could, uh, you know, look to. With four challenger titles and a climb of nearly 150 rankings places in the year, Ymir finished 2017 with a spring in his step. We mostly we're working on is improve every day. 
to make the game better, better, you know, and mentally stronger, you know. These kind of, if these, if I make those improvements, I, I think the ranking will come with it. Elias is, is ranked 120, 130 places higher now than, than six months ago. He's, he's a good listener, he, he, he's a good learner, you know, he really wants to improve, which is the most important thing. With the likes of Magnus Norman, Stefan Edberg, Freddy Rosengren, Jonas Bjorkman, Mikkel Tillström and Thomas Johansson having enjoyed successful coaching stints already on the ATP World Tour, Soddling is the latest Swede to test the waters. When I was his age, you know, when I got to talk to the former Swedish players, when I even had Magnus, as, Magnus Norman as a coach, you know, all the things I was doing he did 10 years earlier, and, and, and that really helped me a lot to just have someone to talk to. Ymer, it seems, may have just the right man in his corner and at the right time. You have to stay humble, you have to be a nice guy, but on the court you have to be a winner, you know, you have to do whatever it takes to win. And Elias, he's got all that, so that's why I like to help him so much, because I really want, for Elias' sake, I really want him to do well. I'm, when he's doing well, I'm really happy for his sake. Finally this week, we continue our series looking at life on the Challenger Tour. Last week we heard from Michael Chang about Kei Nishikori's road to recovery, and this week, Josh Mizels has been speaking with 18-year-old Serbian Miomir Kecmanovic, a young man known as Misha, who we don't really know very much about, but who recently broke into the world's top 200 with a little help from an ally and mentor that we all do know a little bit about. It's always great you have someone to look up to, yeah. and he's such a good, um, good ambassador for the sport, and he's done so much for tennis in Serbia, and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame, you know, now that he's struggling with the injury with the elbow, but I'm sure he'll come back stronger. But, um, yeah, I mean, he gave me, you know, he gives me advice. We talked, you know, a lot, and we sometimes hang out, practice, so he's a very nice guy, and, you know, he's always cool to have someone like him, you know, looking out for you. Have you hit with him before? Have you practiced with yeah, him? Yeah, I hit with him a couple of times. What, what are those experiences like to hit with a, a world number one player? Well, the first practice I was nervous, you know, so it wasn't really a hit for him. But, uh, you know, thankfully he called me again and then it was a lot better. But, yeah, just, you know, the intensity we works with and just like how he, you know, practices every single day, like the exact same, you know, maximum effort and all that. Mm -hmm. Just made me think, you know, okay, like if I want to be there, you know, I have to start practicing much more intense, you know, better. So, yeah, I mean, I've... For sure, you know, help me see how, like, how the other people play, like, what level do I have to get to, and what I have to do to get there. What other Serbian players are you close with? You got to tell me what was it like to see Philip his run last yeah. year with Philip Krajinovic, uh, winning five Challenger titles, and he reaches the final of a Masters 1000 in Paris. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he struggled for a while and he deserved it. You know, to, um, he stuck around and he you know still believed that he can make it happen. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a huge success for him. You know, everybody it was a big thing in Serbia. You know, everybody was happy for him, like cheering yeah. him on, supporting him. So yeah, you know, it was it was great for him to see him you know reach the level that he's you know meant to be at. We're here again with Misha Etsmanovic for did I say it right? Yeah. For ATP Tennis Radio, just broken for those of you who don't know, but just broken to the top 200 of the ATP rankings. Um, how does it feel to be? You're only 18 years old to be in that group already. What does that feel for you? 
Um, it feels great. It's um, I think it's an amazing accomplishment. You know, not many people did it, but um, I'm happy that in such a short short amount of time, I've been able to go from juniors and then make the transition almost successfully. So I hope I can keep up playing good and you know improve throughout the year. Has it come quicker than you expected? Yeah, definitely. You only started playing challengers last year. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, it came quicker than I thought. You know, even my first title was last year. At my first year playing as a professional, so yeah, it came quicker. But you know, I'm happy I I managed to do it because now there's so many players that are developing quick and you know just moving forward fast. What was that transition like for you? I mean, you made it look easy, but I'm sure it really wasn't. It's a lot different. I don't know, like, um, you know, mentally wise and also physically. And, um, you know, the points are much longer. You don't get easy points. You have to stay focused the entire time. You can just, Mm -hmm. you know, juniors, like, just hit one good shot. You got to hit a couple more. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it started off, like, a little bad for me but you know as I went on it started you know getting started getting more adapted to it and the balls and to get more focused and to you know yeah. actually play a couple good shots in a row not just one so yeah I think now I'm a lot better at it and um, kind of adapted to the level now any goals for your the rest of your year you just hit a big one top 200 uh, I mean are you are you setting ranking goals for yourself or just like taking it one match at a time? Uh, no, I, I didn't set any ranking goals. I think it just puts, you know, pressure on me. So, you know, wherever I finish the year, uh, I'll be fine with it. That's it for this week. Remember, you can listen to the ATP Tennis Radio channel 24-7 on TuneIn and on atpworldtour.com. Simply go to the official website and click listen. And next Sunday, we'll be bringing you live commentary from the final in Rotterdam. Will Barry Mills and Naomi Cavaday be commentating on Roger Federer? In which case, they'll also be talking about a new world number one. All will be revealed. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes, leave a review and help us climb the rankings. For now, though, enjoy the tennis. See you next week.